Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone at home. My friends, I want to open up with reminding you that this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. My friends, uh, the three readings uh, we are presented with today uh, give us a snapshot at different times in our salvation history. And uh, they have an interesting contrast to them. The first reading from the Acts of the Apostles referred to a problem in the church in Jerusalem in the early days. The second reading uh, from the first letter of Peter illustrates a theological reflection on Jesus and the early church. In the gospel, we are uh, seeing Jesus, he's trying to help his friends, his apostles. He's explaining to his disciples that he will be leaving them soon. And it is in this final exchange with them in the upper room, the disciples become even more confused and fearful. Jesus has been telling them that he is going away to a place where they cannot come now, but that he will prepare a place for them in the future. And they don't understand what he's talking about, and they are becoming afraid. Thomas tells Jesus that if they do not know where he is going, they're thinking in a geographical place. They don't know where he's going. They cannot know the way. And Jesus tries to explain that he is going to the Father and that he himself is the way there. Still confused, Philip asks to see the Father. He does not understand that if he has seen Jesus, he has, in fact, seen the Father. The dialogue in John is so rich and so full because Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you do not yet know and see? Do you not know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Jesus tries to ease their troubled minds and hearts, but they just aren't getting it. Friends, the reading from the Acts of the Apostles presents a different image of them. This is what I mean when I said uh, the readings have a snapshot from the different times in our, in our church. And although the time difference is not great in our first reading, it is clear that something extraordinary has happened, has taken place with the disciples. Because the gospel, we see them fearful and confused. But now from the Acts of the Apostles, we see a different picture a picture of very confident leaders of the church and of this new Christian community. In this reading, the church in Jerusalem is organized, uh, but there are some challenges, and it's important for you to understand what's going on. The issue was, in my words, discrimination. The widows of Aramaic speakers, which is Jesus' language, who were the majority in Jerusalem, were getting preferential treatment over those who were Greek-speaking. My friends, this is important. You see, the widows in their time depended upon the charity of the Christian community. And what we see when we read the Acts of the Apostles, we see the church leaders, the apostles, they handled the problem swiftly and decisively. And I want to come back to that later because the descendants of the apostles, which is our bishops, have also handled something swiftly and decisively. 
So what they did was they appointed, in the reading, seven men to overlook the care of the widows in both communities, Greek-speaking and Aramaic. Almost seems like a miraculous change, doesn't it? From being in the upper room of our gospel when we see these men terrified and confused, now acting with great confidence in the Lord. It is a changed picture, isn't it? The disciples seem to have moved very rapidly from a state of confusion that briefly worsened when Jesus was crucified to an organized community that we know as the church. They became strong believers. They became decisive leaders. The second reading from the first letter of Peter, uh, written several years after the event that happens in the Acts of the Apostles, provides some serious reflection on Christ and his church in the form of a commentary on several of the Old Testament texts. We are told that Jesus of Nazareth is the cornerstone of the living building that is known as the church, the Christian community. This community is held together through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be united. There is no other way to be held together except through him. And he says, as long as this faith remains, no matter what happens, we will be a community. This is sentiments that emerged after two generations of religious persecutions for them. The imagery used in the reading is absolutely amazing because it refers to Jesus of Nazareth, we know as Christ and Lord, as a living stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious is what the readings tell us. And then, amazingly, there is a tense change. It is put into the plural, and it says living stones. This refers to you. It refers to us, the disciples today, and all the faithful in Christ who come together to form the spiritual building that is the church, built upon Christ, the cornerstone. And finally, in an image from the book of Exodus, they use the chosen people of Israel as parallel to the new community of Christianity, of Jesus' followers. In a deep reflection on all these images, the contrast, the continuity between the three readings, we find the life-giving work of the Holy Spirit. In his final discourse to his disciples, Jesus promised that he would, in fact, send the Holy Spirit upon them to instruct them in everything. They on Pentecost received that Holy Spirit and were forever changed. And they changed the world. A group of unsophisticated people with many limitations and shortcomings, as we read in the gospel, have persevered in faith that in consequence they made a lasting impact on their time all the way down to ours. And what about us then? You are his disciples now. What about you disciples here in Gig Harbor in 2020? You have received the very same Holy Spirit that they received on that first Pentecost. 
So I'm asking you to reflect, how has this changed your life? Have you actually become the living stones that make up a beautiful and faith-filled spiritual community known as the church for all to see and to experience? In this, we find what true discipleship is. Perhaps we still have a long journey to go. In Jesus Christ, however, we have the way, the truth, and the life. In him, we have a guide. And we have a destination. If we sincerely try to follow the Lord, he will guide us to where we ought to be. My friends, this reading has impacted my life. You guys know I haven't been a priest for very long. I'm coming up on uh, not, not too many years, huh? 2008 was my ordination. My friends, I left everything. The way of life I knew to do what it is that I'm doing. Not because it's what I wanted to do, but it's because it is what God wanted of me. This reading of the gospel today became pivotal for me. You see, most people like the apostles and myself just wanted to know what God was like. They wanted to know what the Father was like. And furthermore, at least for me, did he like me? Did he love me? And Jesus delivers the answer throughout all the Gospels. But in this particular one of John today, he delivers. Like us, more than that, Jesus said, he loves us. He loves us in spite of ourselves. He loves us not because we are good or perfect, but because he is good and perfect. In the midst of their troubled hearts, Jesus tried to ease his apostles' minds and hearts. And he wanted them to know that they did see God, the Father. Because he said, anyone who sees me has seen the Father. And here's the thing about Jesus again. Here in his humbleness, he equates himself as God. This becomes crucial. Because in Jesus, we see that the Father wants us to know him. We see that the Father wants us to experience him. This is the one and only reason he sent his son. When Jesus says in the scriptures, believe me, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus went further, knowing that we needed more. Because he went on to say, if you do not believe my words, at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And my brothers and sisters, this was not that he made the blind see or the deaf hear or the lame walk. That's not the evidence that he is talking about. 
the evidence that he is talking about is his very resurrection because only God can do that. This became crucial. It should be for you. Go back and reread this reading of the day. Because the disciples would move from fear and troubled hearts, not because Jesus cured the sick and the blind. They changed because they saw him dead and then saw him resurrected. And only God can do such a thing. Then they came to understand that Jesus is the Son of God. He is God, the Father. The apostles and the disciples of that time fixed their gaze on Jesus and never took it off of him again. And it forever changed their lives and it forever changed our world. They wanted to know what God is like and if he likes us. Do not take your eyes off of our Lord because if you do, you will miss the Father. For Jesus is now and always the best and closest way to know in this world what God is like. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Jesus came and stood with us and loved us. And he said, if you see me, you see the Father. You and I do not have to wonder any longer where we stand with God the Father. Have faith and do not be unbelieving, my brothers and sisters. Jesus said, he is the truth, the way and the life. If you get confused by everything, if you get confused by the Old Testament, Simply look at Jesus. He's the way. If you get lost, he's the way. If you want to know about the Father, he is the truth about the Father. And in this you will have life, life everlasting. For as the Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus, remember in John's Gospel he goes further, and we will dwell with you and be in you. My friends, in this time, I may be frustrated by everything that goes on, but I am not in despair. This pandemic can make even an introvert like myself lonely, but I am not alone. For the very Spirit of God dwells with us. So I tell you, in your frustration and in your fears, you do not have to be that way or live that way. Have faith. As Jesus says, believe me, or believe the evidence of the works. And the evidence was that he rose from the dead, that he is the Son of God, that he is God, and everything that he has said is true. 
and that I am loved and you are loved by the Father. And he desires that you know him and love him also. I can go on, brothers and sisters, but I know you probably have things to do, right? <laughs> My friends, um, so given the homily that I've just presented to you, my friends, this is the time of year when our annual Catholic appeal begins. You know, this is the major funding for the church. And um, I'm going to ask all of you to please pray, as I do every year, discern, and then to take action. I'm going to ask uh, that you pledge what you can and as much as you can to the annual Catholic appeal. It begins this week. You should be getting a letter, if you're not already, from me, but you probably already got the letter from the Archbishop. Um, there's different ways. You can do it online. Uh, we'll have a pledge card. Um, in past times, we've asked uh, for a dollar a day, $365. Uh, some folks are able to do more. Some folks can do less. We can always pray. But I am going to ask all of you to please pray about the annual Catholic appeal this year. Discern what it is that you can do. And then to have faith in God. And then to do it. To take action. My friends, as I said, sometimes I can be frustrated by what's going on today. I want you to know that I give God glory and praise knowing that our brothers in the faith and our sisters in the faith, our Protestant uh, Christian uh, brothers and sisters um, who can have up the drive of liturgies. I do not envy them, nor am I jealous, because God is receiving glory through them. They are able, because of their type of liturgy, to show up in the parking lot, and then as the governor has asked that they remain in their cars, I pray with the windows down, <laughs> and that they are able to worship God in music and listening to the very word of God and to the sermon of their pastors. As I said in my homily, the descendants of the apostles are our bishops, and they have spoken decisively and have handled the situation. For now, the drive-up faith services are not for us because of our mass, but we give God glory and praise that there are Christians throughout this state who are able to assemble, even in the parking lot, to give God worship and praise. And we, with hope and faith in all things, will bide our time. We will wait for that time when we will be able to assemble also. So to God be glory and praise. Amen. Alleluia. Hmm? My brothers and sisters, don't be angry about that. Don't be angry. Anger is not good in this case. Give God glory and praise for this. We will bide our time. We pray for an end to the pandemic, for health and peace and joy throughout the whole world. In all things, we Christians, all of us, are called to give God glory, to always see hope in all things. My friends, and remember, um, please continue to support uh, our parish uh, with your gifts of prayers and uh, keep your donations coming in um, more than ever um, our parish are in need of your financial assistance and help in this time 
I know you will pray uh, about this, and uh, we will handle it together. Amen. Brothers and sisters, to the glory of God, you, do you realize that our church is open? Uh, the doors of the church are unlocked Monday through Friday from 8.30 to about 5. You may come in and pray. You have to pray silently and keep your social distancing, but you can come in. The doors of the church are open, and on Sunday they're open. We have to lock them, of course, during the Mass time. Uh, but you can come and pray and uh, sit here in the pew. And um, you'd be surprised at what happens when you come here. Um, many, many gifts happen. Uh, so I remind you that, uh, in fact, the doors of our church are open uh, and unlocked for you to come in and pray. Again, we've got to keep our social distancing down and everything. My brothers and sisters, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those words that you heard about, they are found in the Old Testament. If you do not know where they are at, you better go and search for them because it is absolutely crucial that you know the references that he's making. I'll give you a hint. Start with the Psalms. The Psalms. The way, the truth, and the life. Those are Old Testament things. We need only to look at him when we get confused. When I got confused, I just simply looked to him. He said, I am the truth. He brought the truth of the Father to us. And he told Philip, you have seen the Father. You have seen me. You know what God is like. He has come and he has been with us. He has stood with us. And therefore, you and I know where we stand now with God. And he says that he is the life. And you know the way and you have the truth. You have life. Amen.